Well, everybody, let's all wave at the camera right now. Everyone give me your biggest wave. Let's go. Man, Merry Christmas to you guys. And one of the reasons that I'm taking some shots and we're filming today is this is the very final year that we're having our Christmas Eve services in the warehouse. And it is so special to us. This is the 14th year in a row that we've gathered here on Christmas Eve to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you saw, isn't that crazy? 14 years, and God has been so faithful to us every time we gather. It's the easiest message of the year for pastors to preach because it's the same text every single year. You know what I'm saying? It's just the birth of Jesus. It's not that hard. Everyone say, yeah, right. Yeah, right. 14 years in a row, I've had to come up with something new and something intriguing, and I'm so excited today. You can take your Bibles now and open up to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, if you don't have a copy of the scriptures, that's okay. We're going to have the text displayed on the screens. And I'm excited to study Matthew chapter 2 because in the years past, we've done Isaiah 9, we've done Isaiah 7, and we've even done the book of Acts, and we've done Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, and we've done Matthew chapter 1, but I've never, ever, 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 ever taught Matthew chapter 2. And it's not necessarily the birth of Jesus, but listen, it's what happened a couple of months, maybe even a year, possibly even two years after the birth of Jesus. It's after he had been around for a little bit. Because don't you love birth stories? Our birth, I got a video of my birth. Go ahead and play that video real quick. Just kidding. You guys got to laugh harder when there's funny stuff being said. No, no. You guys remember your birth, though, a little bit? It's a special day. You don't remember it at all. But somebody told you about your birth. And I know I was born at 7.06 p.m. on Friday night, but actually Saturday night, May 13th, 1978. Write that down in your calendars, May 13th. Anyways, I was born during Rockford Files. My mom tells me she was kind of caught up in the series and was bummed out she missed that episode. But my, my birth's not that big a deal. You know, it's kind of a big deal, but not really. Your birth's kind of a big deal, but not really. I mean, for you and your family, maybe some extended folks, it's kind of a big deal. Maybe even a minor miracle, which I don't think there's any such thing. Everything that God does is a major miracle. But your birth and my birth, man, no one's going to really be talking about it. No one's going to be celebrating it. Things aren't going to get crazy. But Jesus's birth, it, ch it changes everything. Isn't that nuts? Doesn't that kind of just freak you out just a little bit that one man born 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, in a small country, in a, a minimized region where there was no Starbucks or internet, all that stuff hadn't happened yet. And yet here we are 2,000 years later, not talking about my birthday, even though I just did, but we're not talking about your birthday. We're talking about his birthday. When Matthew wrote his gospel, he included two whole chapters of the birth of Jesus. He says, this is so crazy. I'm going to put the whole two chapters. And when Luke wrote his gospel, he also wrote two whole long chapters about the birth of Jesus. John, when he wrote his gospel and Mark, they didn't include the birth of Jesus at all. They'd already covered that. They said, let's just get right to work. What did Jesus do as a man, as the Savior? They detailed that greatly. But Luke and Matthew both say, you know what? This is real important stuff because people are going to be talking about this for the rest of their lives, for the rest of eternity. Matter of fact, the whole entire country, the whole entire world celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ. You know that? Okay, nobody's putting up Christmas lights for your birthday. Nobody's sending cards and gifts to other people for your birthday. But for Jesus, everybody participates in celebrating his birthday. They did a poll here in America, and 95% of Americans said they celebrate Christmas. 
I want to talk to the other 5% and be like, what's your problem? Like, what's wrong with you? You don't like hot chocolate and candy canes. Like, what are you doing? 88% of, Christ- of, of Americans put up Christmas trees and there's 30 million Christmas trees every single year put into homes all around America. Did you know that there's 350 million Christmas trees right now growing, getting ready to harvest in the next couple of years? 350 million Christmas trees. Matter of fact, the biggest contributors to Christmas tree production are Michigan, Wisconsin, Washington, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Oregon. Oh, duck fans. I like you guys. Duck fans. Oregon. Man, duck fans here and also Christmas tree fans. The most expensive Christmas tree ever was $11 million. Okay, they put it together. It was there in the Emirates and that was about 2010. It's crazy. Did you know that Americans send 1.5 billion Christmas cards every single Christmas season? 1.5 billion Christmas cards. And I want you guys to know something. Not one of those, not one of those is going to be sent from the Frechette household. Sorry about that. That's not what we do. So if you didn't get a Christmas card from us in the last 10 years, that's because we haven't sent one in the last 10 years. So love you, love you. We're not doing that. But I love all the cards we get. So thank you guys for doing that. Listen, Jesus' birth changes everything. And if you want to take away something today, besides some hot cocoa, besides some oranges, know this. I want this to trickle down into your heart and be experienced in your life. If Jesus' birth changes everything, then his birth can also change anything. And here's what I mean by that. We would probably all agree, of course, Jesus' birth changed everything. The dating system of the entire world changed. All things were made through him. Nothing was made that was made that was not made by him, First John tells us. All things come together through him. But here's where I think we lose connections so often. It's all things have been changed by him. But if Jesus can change everything, then Jesus can also change anything. How many of you guys right now from time to time in your life, you need some help? Maybe your marriage or your singleness, you find yourself in trouble. Man, I, just, I need some help right now. And I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to change everything. But it also has the power to change anything. And if the gospel works 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, and if the gospel works into the future and into your present and in every aspect of your life, wouldn't it be amazing if we as believers said, I'm going to let the gospel not just change everything, but I'm going to let the gospel change anything I find myself dealing with. Maybe it's marital stress or financial stress or issues right now that the Lord says, hey, I, I d- came for that. I lived for that. I died for that. Don't miss the one present that doesn't necessarily only change everything, but it also changes anything. And here's what I want you guys to, with me, study is in Matthew chapter 2, which is how Jesus's life impacts others. What does the life and birth of Jesus do to people? There's three main responses, three main evidences of what Jesus does to lives when we encounter him. But before we do that, I want to make sure you guys understand the birth story of Jesus. It's one of the most simple stories. You guys know Jesus came. He was born in a manger. You guys know all this stuff, right? In in case you don't know the Christmas story, I'm going to show you a video real quick with Hawaiian themes so that way you guys can just basically get this. Check this out. We're going to turn the lights down. This is so you guys can understand the Christmas story. sit down. It's Christmas time. I'll go and tell you the Christmas story. The for real one. I, long time ago, had this girl named Mary. One night, God had sent an angel for a visit her with good news. Ha, oh, she said. Hey, I'm scared, said the angel. 
You go and get hopai by the Holy Spirit. Go and be one boy. And you go and name him Jesus. Poor Mary. She had never the kind with the fiance Joseph yet. Yeah, so she went, how can? You know, I never had the kind. But yet, yeah. No worries, said the angel. God going to take care. So, Marilyn go and tell Joseph. And he come all mad. He must have dumped her. But an angel came to Joseph too. Oh! And tell him, no worries. Name the baby Jesus, yeah? So Mary and him, they would pack up their stuffs and started to go back to his hometown. Meanwhile, he went out of field somewhere, had some shepherds just and cruising up on the hills. Suddenly, all these angels went bust out of the sky. Ho! Oh, the shepherds was fearing. And the angel said, Hey, how's these guys? No worries, we bring good news. Christ the Lord is here. And you ain't find them over there. You're going to get lying down in one horse-feeding thing. And then they praised God and went away. Those shepherds get all happy. Shoot, we go. And in another field, far away, get these three smart guys cruising. These the kind guys that can read the stars, eh? And they spot this fat star up in the sky. And then said to one another, Oh, how's this star? Eh, you know what is that? That's the kind star, the one that means the king is born. So these guys went back up all fast crying and follow the star. Now, it was time for Mary for drop gas. But all the hotels had choked people. No more room for them. But one guy said, you know what? You can stay in my stable if you like. So Mary and Joseph went go and stay in Wambaga's Pilau shed with all the chickens, all the pigs and goats. That's when Mary went give birth. The shepherds would show up when they were stalking because the baby stayed out just like the angels had said. And way later on, the smart guys, they would show up and bring the gifts because they smart. And Mary and Joseph named the boy Jesus, just like the angel had tell them. Yeah, you know what Jesus' name means? Savior. Jesus' name means Savior. And you guys know the story of the Savior and his birth and the manger and the shepherds and the stable in Bethlehem. But it didn't just stop there. It continued from there. And as a matter of fact, in that little scene there, you guys saw the smart guys coming from far away. And they gave Jesus gifts because they smart guys. And those guys, you guys know, though, that those wise men, they didn't actually show up to the Bethlehem scene there in the manger. They didn't show up for about a year, a year and a half, possibly two years later. And when they showed up, Jesus was just a toddler running around and they brought gifts to him. And we're going to study their story a little bit today. But did you know that the name Jesus means Savior? As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 1, at the very end, Matthew tells us in verse 21, I'll read it to you. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Isn't that rad that the angel Gabriel told Joseph and told Mare Mare what they were going to name their kids? They would have named him Little Joe, Little Jojo after his dad, Joseph. 
But instead, the angel said, no, you're not going to name him that at all. You're going to name him Jesus because that's what he does. He saves. He's the Savior. It goes on to say in verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The complexity of saving the whole world. How are we going to do this? God says, I'm going to make it real simple. I'm going to do it. You can do it. Nobody can do it, but my son can do it. And instead of giving you a manual, I'm going to give you Emmanuel. Wouldn't it be crazy if God says, here's how you're saved. And he gave us a manual, you know, a manual for salvation. You ever get a manual? You're like, oh my, is there the quick start? Oh no. You know, you know, instead of giving us a manual, he gave us Emmanuel. That is God with us. This is important. This is distinctive of all other religions, all other philosophies, all other disciplines, all other ways of life. Did you know that every other discipline, religion, and philosophy gives you a manual? Here's what you got to do to be a Buddhist. Here's what you got to do to be a humanist. Here's what you got to do to be this, or here's what you got to do to do that. And God says, I'm, I'm not going to give you that anymore. Instead, I'm going to not give you a manual. I'm going to give you Emmanuel. I'll be with you. I'll be with you everywhere you go. And if you're on journey right now, if you're on mission right now, if you're in a battle right now, and if you're in a destination right now, guess what? God says, I'll be with you. I'm not just going to tell you where to go. He does that through his spirit. I'm not just going to guide you. He does that through his word. But God says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And I'll save you again and again and again. Raise your hand if you've been saved by God on your journey to heaven more than one time. You've been saved. I've been saved. That is born again once and done. But man, Emmanuel, God with me. You know that today? I hope you leave here today with some oranges, maybe some hot cocoa, maybe a mug or a new shirt that says Emmanuel. But I hope with all of my heart, my prayer is, is that you would leave here today with God with you, that you would take him into your home, take him into your journey. This is why you live. This is what you need. This is what God is doing. And yet we're going to see the rest of the story because there's three responses to God with us. Isn't it so rad that God came with us? Wouldn't you think the complexity met with the simplicity would cause everybody to be saved? But we know that's not the case. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, hey, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Stop right there, eyes up here. Did you know this is the very first question in the New Testament? Where is he? Where is he? The wise men come from the east, from Persia, from Babylon, and they're looking into these things because they've seen the star appear about two years earlier. And the star had guided them to Jerusalem. And as soon as they begin looking, Jerusalem was a holy city. It was a city of God, a city of reverence, a city of holiness. And they knew this is where we're going to find the king. And I hope you understand it's that simple too. Where is he? Where is Jesus? Where's the king right now? I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, I'm a, a husband, I'm a father, I'm a leader, I'm a brother, I'm a son. But every single day I've got to ask that same question. Where is he in my life? 
Where is he right now? And I hope you would ask that same question, the very first question we see asked here in the New Testament. Notice it says in verse one though, that after Jesus was born, that's kind of the theme of the text here, Matthew decides to tell us what it was like in the first couple years. He says that the wise men came to Jerusalem to see Herod. Now, every time you hear the word Herod, I want you guys to boo. Okay, we're gonna try it one more time. They came to see Herod. Whoa, aggressive. You guys know, I'm not, I don't really want to talk about Herod. And don't boo anymore. We're done with that. That was cool. It's cool for once of you. Because it's going to keep it. I don't want to talk about him that much because he's just a bad guy. You guys know the Herods were the worst. I'm just not going to call him by name anymore. And this guy that we're talking about, he was the worst of the worst. His name was Herod the Great. Um, I know how not to do the second service now. You guys who know history know that this guy was a maniac, that this guy had nine wives because he killed all of them in succession, killed all of his kids, killed all of his cabinet, killed all of the Sanhedrin. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people died at the maniacal leadership of this guy, Herod the Great. Yeah, that one was worth it. And during the time, but it's crazy because he's called the Great, Good job. I didn't say it. He's called the great because he was also a great leader. He was a great developer. The technology that came from this guy, some of the, I meant to bring a little Herodian stone. I, I stole or imported or exported or found. Anyways, I took from Israel a couple years ago. It's one of the Herodian stones. This guy would take stones from a mine and he would cut them 40 feet long, 20 feet deep, 15 feet high, 600 tons. And he would use those as the foundation stones for the temple. This guy also was the one who created aqueducts there in Israel that would pipe water through the desert 50 miles in one direction. And in a 50 mile length, the direction of the water would only change by half an inch lower in order to keep the water going. The technology, this guy was the one who also created Masada there in Israel, a sanctuary where you could live for up to 10 years without any food or water would all just be provided in that way. This guy was amazing, but he was also crazy and I want to contrast that with our days. The days we live in are, are pretty dark. They're pretty corrupt. The imbalance is obvious. I'm not sure how it's going to go moving forward politically or economically. Most of us would predict probably some downturns and it's going to get ugly. And yet, wouldn't you also agree that technology is at an all-time high? Isn't it crazy? You can get iPhones and you can travel the world and you can do all kinds of things. And life is so much, it's easier now than ever before, isn't it? No, it's not. Yet if the technology increases and the chaos also increases, sometimes we can lose our hope and lose our minds and say, man, what's happening? Did you know that Jesus came right during a similar time 2,000 years ago when you couldn't trust anybody? Everything was dark. Everything was backwards, even as technology was increasing. And know this, God is not afraid to intervene in your life, in my life, in our dark lives right now. And he comes for such a time as this. Don't be discouraged today. As a matter of fact, be encouraged at what God is doing on the coastline here in Lincoln County and inland. God is changing lives even in the midst of dark seasons. These wise men, though, they came from the east exploring this sign. I don't want to talk too much about the wise guys either. But these guys came from Babylon, from Persia. And they had evidently learned some things about Judaism and prophecies hundreds of years earlier. 
because that's when Daniel was in Babylon. Daniel had letters sent to him as well, and there was hope embedded in far regions. And as God began to stir the world around, these wise guys saw a star appear out of nowhere. These guys would have been into astronomy for sure, but possibly astrology as well. These are dangerous things and kind of dark things. And you know what God said? I'm going to meet them right where they're at. As a matter of fact, how many of you guys had the Lord meet you right where you were at in your journey of faith, man, right where you were at? Maybe you were out to lunch. Maybe you were off course. Maybe you were in a dark place and God met you. These wise guys responded by saying, let's go to Jerusalem. And have you guys ever been on an awesome road trip before? Just like the best road trip of your life. You're inspired and you look at your buddies like, hey, want to walk to Montana? And they're like, no, are you sure it'll be fun? No, it won't be fun. This would have taken months and years for these guys to walk from Persia, from Babylon to get to Jerusalem. And yet God met them right where they were at. And when God changes your life and touches your life, man, nothing's gonna stop you. Do you know that? I hope you know that Christians this morning. You're in a journey right now. You're in a race. Things probably aren't easy for you. And God would say to you, have I changed your life? Have I touched you? Have I become a star of guiding light for you? Yes, you have. Okay, well then D-T-N-R-T, do the next right thing. Take the next right step. Keep going in that direction. God has things for you that he wants to do. Well, these guys show up to Jerusalem, which means uh, that Jerusalem was where uh, Herod was, and they show up to see Herod. (laughs) Thank you, I needed that. Verse three, and when Herod the king heard that he was, heard heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Okay, the first response we see to Jesus in his birth is a bunch of wise guys doing the next right thing, getting up, taking a journey and following the star. And did you know that when you choose to do that today, light obeyed will bring more light to your journey? Some of you right now are walking in darkness. You don't know what to do and the Lord would whisper to you, said, you didn't do the thing I asked you to do previously. You didn't follow me when I asked you to forgive that person or serve in this way. And when these wise guys walked this journey, they find themselves now here and God has led them this far. He's gonna continue to lead them. But the other reaction we see here is from Herod. When Herod, you guys didn't boo. When Herod heard these things, he was troubled in his heart. Look at his response in verse four. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Stop right there, ice up here. This is crazy. This leader, this guy here, these wise men show up and they say, we're here to see the king, the one born king. Isn't that nuts? Most people born into royalty wouldn't be born a king. You'd be born a prince and you would stay a prince for a while until you'd become the king. These wise guys knew, no, no, this is indeed the king, born king. And when Herod heard this, he was fearful and he was troubled in his heart. Isn't this nuts? Some people find themselves troubled by the things of God, by the things of Jesus. Have you ever found somebody in your own life that gets so saved, maybe super saved, maybe really saved, and the people around them get troubled by the way that they're now walking with Jesus? This happened to me back in 1999. I got out of jail in 1998, and I was a drug dealer and did all kinds of silly things and was living my life in rebellion, and the Lord rescued me, and his light became my light. And everything changed for me and I began to live differently. But all of my buddies weren't as excited as I was, if you can imagine. And I remember I used to have this pager. People would call me to get some goods, you know, and they would leave a voice. Remember pagers back in the day, the 90s? Remember the 90s? Mine was one of those clear pagers. You could see the insides of it, the battery and stuff. Man, super cool. 
And I remember I changed my voicemail. People would call me to get some drugs and some other stuff, and I changed my voicemail. So when they heard the message, when they called Luke Frechette, instead of saying, hey, leave a message and I'll call you back, they heard this little song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'll call you back. I'll call you back. Oh, man. They were troubled. Not impressed. And yet the Lord did lead some other people to Jesus in that time of my life. And there was a great exodus out of that lifestyle of rebellion and folly. And yet not everybody responds to the good news of Jesus Christ the same. This guy here, when he hears that the wise men are looking for the baby, he's troubled and fearful. He doesn't like it. And can I just encourage you, not everyone's going to be excited about you and your love for Jesus. Not everyone's going to be excited about your devotion to him and your life spent serving him. When you get up early and read the scriptures, can I just encourage you, if that's what you're doing right now, keep doing it because the people around you need to see an authentic believer in Jesus Christ, that your life has been changed, that you have been transformed, that you have been filled, forgiven, and received the mercy of God every single day. I want everyone in the whole world to know about Jesus. Amen? Amen. He's going to use your life. He's going to use my life. That's how he's chosen to do it, just like those candles we lit just a few minutes ago. And let your light shine before men. Don't be like this guy who responds with trouble. The third response we see is from these guys that work for Herod. He asks them, go look into these things and find out what the scriptures say. Look at verse 5. And so they said to him, hey, we figured it out. The prophet, the king, he's going to be from Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are you not least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Stop right there, eyes up here. This next group of people is maybe the most dangerous group of people. This is the group of people that heard about the King Jesus being born, that read the scriptures and deduced that it was indeed true. They were able to discern and understand that these things were happening. Listen, and they did nothing about it at all. They were indifferent. They were full of inaction. They knew the truth, but it didn't lead them to a life changed. As a matter of fact, look at verse 7. It says, Then Herod, oh, when he had secretly called the wise men, he determined from them what time the star had appeared a few months or years earlier. And then he sent them, verse 8, to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Stop right there, eyes up here. This is crazy. You've got the king. You've got the wise guy showing up with this question, where is the king born for the Jews? Where is this one, this babe? And then you've got the religious leaders of the day who look into it but do nothing about it. Did you know that Bethlehem was about five miles to the south? Wasn't that far of a journey, not that big of a deal, that if you heard good news, you should have popped up right off of your blessed assurance and skedaddled down to Bethlehem. You should have made the journey. But they didn't do anything. They sat with this truth. They sat with this news. They sat with this directive. And yet Herod here, 
tells the wise guys, hey, go, go look into it. Search carefully for the child. And when you find him, bring back word to me because I want to worship him too. You Bible students know this is not what Herod wanted to do at all. But instead, he wanted to kill baby Jesus. Look what happens in verse 9. It says, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and it stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Stop right there, eyes up here. These guys have been traveling for months and years by faith. And evidently, at this point, the star showed up again. The star was gone for a little bit. Maybe the star had appeared and had guided them on their journey previously. But maybe things got a little hard for them. Things got darkened along the way. But they continued to just do the next right thing. And as they walked and took the next steps, and listen, and diligently looked for Jesus, the star appeared and they were exceedingly filled with joy. You don't need to raise your hands right now, but you who are on journey, how many of you need there to be an appearance, a reappearance of the star of Bethlehem leading you back to Jesus day in and day out and weekly and monthly and yearly? I've been on this journey now for 23, 24 years, walking with Jesus, serving him, anticipating his soon return. And every single day, Lord, would you give me the star of Bethlehem one more time? Lord, would you give me that guiding light? Would you lead me into your presence? And yet the directive was given, go search for him diligently, carefully. Can I put that challenge on you guys this Christmas season? Hopefully you have great plans for the rest of the day. Hopefully you have great plans for tomorrow. Hopefully you have great plans for the new year. But don't miss searching carefully and diligently for baby Jesus. Let's see what happens next. Verse 11, it says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had taken, and then when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had pre opened their treasures, they presented their gifts to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Stop right there, eyes up here. As they found Jesus, with his mother, Mary. Notice what it says, that Jesus was mentioned first before Mary. You would never do it in this order in first century customs. You would always mention the mother or the older person first. Why did Matthew say the child was with Mary instead of Mary with the child? Anyone know? Because Jesus is the king. Because Jesus is preeminent. This is a small matter for most of you, but a big matter for some of you. Jesus comes first before Mary. Jesus come. And notice when they showed up, they didn't worship both of them, Mary and Jesus, but they just worshiped Jesus. And they gave him homage and they gave him presents. And the three presents that they gave to baby Jesus are gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Some of you thought it was gold, frankenstein, and myrrh. It's not frankenstein, it's frankincense. And as they worship Jesus, they give him these three prophetic gifts. The gold represents his kingliness, his kingship. Because gold was a royal metal, a royal worth, and they worshiped him because Jesus is indeed the king of kings. And they also worshiped him with frankincense because this would represent Jesus as the priest, as the one who would serve us, bringing that incense and prayers up to the Father, and not just as a king, and not just as a priest, but also, listen, as a prophet. A prophet who would be martyred for you and for me. Myrrh. Myrrh was synonymous with burial fluids and burial spices where you would take a body that had been killed, that had died, and you would prepare it in such a way for its burial. These kings, when these, these wise men, when they came, prophetically worshiped Jesus knowing that he indeed was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
when they were done, the Bible tells us, we're not going to finish the story. You guys can read it later tonight around the Christmas tree, that an angel divinely warned them and said, don't go back to Herod, but instead go back to Babylon. Go back and tell the rest of the world about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't go back to Jerusalem this way. And the Lord protected these guys and sent them on their way. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have the worship team come up and we're going to worship just as these guys did. These guys traveled all the way from Babylon to set their gifts down to the Lord, to let their lives be changed by the Lord, and then to let their lives be directed for the Lord. And our hope, our prayer, our desire is that indeed every single day, your life and my life and our lives would be changed by Jesus. Did you know that worship, I invited the worship team to play some songs. Don't you love music? Isn't it fun to sing songs? Worship is not just singing songs though. Worship is what you do and what I do every single day with our lives when we let the Lord change us from the inside out, direct us in the way we live our lives and direct us in the way we speak to other people, direct us in the way that we take our time and use it for others' good and God's glory. And here's what I wanna do at the end of the service today. We're gonna sing a few more songs, but I want us to consider our response to Jesus. It's been so many years since he came. Maybe you're like the wise guys. You're like, I'm all in. I'm going for it. Jesus, take my life. Take my journey. Where do you want me to go? And the star of Bethlehem will appear for you if you have that response to Jesus today. Or maybe you're like Herod. Maybe there's some people watching online right now. Maybe there's people here right now and you find yourself, yeah, I'm just kind of troubled by that. I'm not really impressed with this King of Kings. I'm not really impressed. As a matter of fact, I'm fearful of what he might do to my life of how he might take away the preeminence of my own freedoms. This is a common response and it's the opposite of godly. It's worldly. This is a common response. It's carnal. It's not holy. I don't think any of us are doing that here this morning. But maybe it's the third response. Maybe it's the guys that knew what the Bible said. You're in agreement. Yeah, it's, it happens. That, that's true. I believe all that. But maybe you're here this morning and there's just a little bit of indifference to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe there's some inaction going on in your life. You're not, you're not all in. You're not as hot as you once were. You're not as close to the Lord as he wants you to be. And today the Lord would say, hey, let's go. Let's be wise. Let's have a wise mentality. It'd be a wise man. It'd be one who's used by me. For such a time as this, the days are dark. The times we live in are perilous and important. And I believe the Lord wants to use us to celebrate Jesus, to walk with him, and to take it seriously, and to give those gifts to the people around you. I'm gonna ask you guys to stand up. We're gonna sing two more songs and, and we're done for the day. Father, I pray in Jesus' name now as we worship you. As we gather, Lord, I'm so, so thankful. So thankful, Lord, for everyone working it out today. Lord, this place is packed out. Thankful for the safety team, Lord, tech team, Lord, and the hot chocolate team. Kids team, Sunday school going on, so great. But the last thing we want to do, Lord, is we want to, last thing we want to do is leave here today without eating, without taking you with us. Just as these wise guys were divinely warned, don't go back to Jerusalem where you came from, go all the way back to Babylon where I'm going to use you. Don't go back the same way you just came from Jerusalem to go see what that king. Instead, you go this way. And if you're here this morning and you don't want to leave these doors, you don't want to go back the same way you came, but you want to be changed forever and ever. You want your life to be empowered right now. You want to be changed from the floor to the core. Everything about you. 
And maybe you're thinking to yourself, that's too complex. That's just way too complex. I got all kinds of issues, all kinds of things going on. And yet the Lord simplified it and said, hey, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Though some things may be impossible with man, nothing is impossible with God. And I want to give you the opportunity this morning before we leave here today. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ because he gave his life to you. If you want to live your life for Jesus Christ because he lived his life in your place. If you want to find your faith being put in Jesus Christ, not yourself, not a philosophy, not a religion, but a person, Jesus. If that's you today, you do not want to miss this opportunity. You don't want to wait one more day. Would you just right now confess by raising up your hand and say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I want him to be my savior. There's hands going up all over the place. Put up your hand nice and proud. Say, yes, Lord, I want you to be my savior on this the celebration of your birthday in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Would you keep your hands up, Father, in Jesus' name. Bless those, Lord, who are confessing their faith in you, their love for you, their receiving of you, Lord. You bless and minister to them. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done, Lord. Thank you for your birth. Thank you for your life, Lord. Thank you for calling us to live in response to you. May you fill us now with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And may you lead us and guide us. We love you. And we say thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. Receive our praises now in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's sing a couple more songs to Jesus right now.